You are listening to the Business RPG Podcast, a business podcast for nerds who are determined to turn their passion into a profession. I'm your host, Sir Isaac, and this is my open invitation to anyone who would like to connect. Go ahead, find me on Instagram at businessrpg, and let me know what it is that you do, that you are excited about, that you are doing as a professional nerd, what your passion is, what you are trying to turn into a profession, and also... Let me know what it is here on the show that I can do to provide more value for you, wherever you are at, what niches you are interested in, or or what industries you would really like to hear an expert come on and talk about in the nerdy industry. let's, Let's keep that in the forefront of our minds, of course. But go ahead and let me know what it is I can do for you. At the beginning of the year, I made a statement saying that I was going to focus more on professional nerds in the podcast, in in the interviews that I did and the people I reached out to. That's, again, not to say I'm not going to feature hobbyists on the show, but I really wanted to get back to what the roots were of the business RPG, what the original goal was, what, what it was that I was really trying to present here on the show for all of you listeners. And most of the guests that I have had on the show are entrepreneurs, They're business owners. They're people who have built a career out of what it is that they're passionate about, but also they've built a career that wasn't offered by an employer. It's something that they built themselves, an opportunity that they created for themselves in order to be successful. And that is near and dear to my heart. I I, I know that that's, that's what I'm doing. That's what a lot of you are doing. But that's not what everyone wants to do as a professional nerd. Some people don't want to start a business. Some people don't want to be employees, or or excuse me, they, they don't want to be entrepreneurs. They would rather be employees. And you know, that is absolutely fine. There is nothing wrong with that. And I've been trying to make a concerted effort here on the show to have episodes that, that are in that vein of, of going the route other than the entrepreneur. And today I, I, I have a really big treat for you guys because I found someone who not only was willing to open up about what it is that they do as a professional nerd, but also they pulled no punches when it came to talking about the process, talking about what it is that they did and the opportunities that they created to work for a company that they love that is in an industry that they want to be in. Today, you guys are going to be hearing from Andrew Searles. Andrew is a product manager for D&D Beyond. He has found his dream job of figuring out how to make RPG players have a better experience in their games, and Andrew has a lot to share in this episode. It's, it's an amazing story that he has of opportunities that he also made for himself as an employee, opportunities that he pursued, j- just how he got from starting at, at, at level one <laughs> to getting to level 20, just starting uh, when, when he started out in project management and how he started in graphic design even before that, but also just doing, or that it is he, he does a great job in this episode of explaining the process, uh, of sharing stories and examples of, of real-life events that have happened for him that helped him get to where he is today and breaking it down in ways that, that you can use now. I, I think that you can use whether you're going the employee route or the entrepreneur route. 
So I, I'm very excited today to share with you guys this interview. I tried to ask questions that any listeners might have when it came to finding a company that they liked, that they wanted to work for, that was in an industry that, that they loved. And Andrew does a great job of, of filling in the gaps wherever I might have a question that, that's lacking. But guys, before the episode starts, be sure that you pause right here and you subscribe to the show. Go ahead, scroll up, scroll down wherever you need to, press subscribe or follow or whatever the button is on your app of choice, and also leave a review for the show. Let me know what it is I'm doing right, let me know what it is I'm doing wrong. Go ahead and just leave some feedback, guys. Really, really appreciate it, and it makes a big difference for the podcasters that you love to listen to. Let's go to the interview. Andrew, welcome to the Business RPG. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. I I am too. There's a number of questions and a number of different topics. I, I kind of call them niches, but different things that I want to talk with you about today because you are a very unique guest for the show. I want to start out by giving some recognition. I met you through Zach Goins and, and his podcast over there on Geeks Can't. And after hearing your most recent episode that I know of or that I've listened to where you were on there, I decided I wanted to reach out and see if you would come on. And you, I mean, you had a 24 hour, hey, let's do this response time. Thank you so much for taking the time so quickly to get on here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I, re- I really enjoy doing this kind of thing. I guess just like everybody would say, their their favorite topic is is themselves. So you've asked me to talk about myself and I can I could do that. <laughs> That's going to be a good, yeah, yeah. Perfect guess, perfect guess. Yeah. But go ahead, introduce yourself to the audience and just tell them what it is you do and who you are. Yeah, so um, my name is Andrew Searles, and um, I am currently Principal Product Manager on D&D Beyond. Yeah, I guess I guess that's enough to say, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's any more attribution needed in there. I mean, name drop, boom, and then then the audience goes wild, <laughs> you know. That that is one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about though because most of the guests that I end up having on the show are entrepreneurs of some sort. And and really what it comes down to is the tag of the show is taking your passion and turning it into a profession. The thing is, not everyone wants to have a business. Not everyone really wants mm-hmm. to go that route. It's it's not because they can't. It is simply because they don't want to. And I have so few opportunities to talk to people who have, instead of going that way from the business or entrepreneurial standpoint to actually just going the career route where they are becoming part of a team, becoming part mm-hmm. of a business that they admire and that they enjoy that's in a niche or an industry that they admire and enjoy. And so I really wanted to just talk to you about how you got to this point. I I talked to you a little bit before and and you had a really cool story, which I won't won't give any spoilers, but I I really wanted to know, how did you get to where you are today as far as what, what was the path or the journey to this career? So I think in order to understand like how I got to where I am, probably have to go back kind of far because like most careers you follow this sort of wandering and and meandering path to hopefully one day get to where you want to be i spent a lot of my early jobs trying to figure out what i liked and what i didn't like and cutting out those things Um, and because of that i started as a graphic designer 
designing things for a marketing agency. And then from there went into product management. And I, I mostly did that because I was kind of doing that anyway. I was kind of doing mm-hmm. that anyway for, uh, but just as a graphic designer and a UI designer. Um, and as I did that, I then explored a lot of different industries. Um, and I finally realized that, boy, it would be really cool if I could get into gaming. And, you know, my whole life I had I had been playing D&D since I was probably eight years old. But you never think to yourself, like, this thing that I love could also be my profession. Mm. Um, until you you start to think, like, well, there are people out there that do that thing, right? There are product managers of games. I could be one of those people. And I think that's the sort of first step is realizing that that sort of unattainable thing out there actually has a group of people that are doing it too. And you could do that thing. There are people that develop games. There are people that that, that market for games and they need all of those, those things. Um, so once I started kind of thinking about that, the moment fell into my lap because I follow the industry and then I, I saw an advertisement for D&D Beyond needing a product manager. And that's where things really clicked. Like there is a, there's an opening there. There's something that's there. I know how to do that. And I love that thing. I could apply for it. Now, the, the, the reason you need that sort of acknowledgement of there is a possibility is because you will need to get past the thinking, hey, there's 300 people that are going to apply for that job, Right. There is thousands of people. There's no way I could get it. It would just be a waste of my time. You will miss every shot you don't take, mm-hmm. right? And so just applying is 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 the important part. <laughs> right. Because if you don't, then you'll never get there. If you think that is that that thing is not obtainable by me and I'm I'm just not it, then you know, you'll you'll never get there. And and honestly, there I had that moment of like, well, it's a long shot. So I'll just try and see how it goes. You know, I'm a I'm a kid from Birmingham, Alabama that is not from, you know, the big areas where there's lots of prestigious uh resumes and experience. I've worked for no-name companies that are important in Alabama but nowhere else. So, you know, who's you know, I haven't worked for Google or Facebook or Apple or Microsoft or anything like that, right? And so uh so yeah, I was just like, you know what? I'll just I'll I'll apply and we'll see how it goes. And uh, I I was ignored at first, and I thought, well, I guess that's it. <laughs> mm. I guess that's it. That's that's the end of that. And then I saw an, another position come open for a designer position. And I'm like, well, in another life I could do that, so I'll I'll try for that too. I would say here, when you get to that point of like, okay, well. It is not going to happen for me, so I guess I'll just move on. You'll have to evaluate for yourself whether you want to keep moving forward or not. And what I, the conversation that happened for me that, that ended up kind of leading to all this is, if I don't take a chance, I will regret it, right? I will always look back on my other product management jobs, whether it's, you know, maybe I'm working in insurance or something like that in a different universe, mm-hmm. and I'll think, Man, if I if I had just taken that next step, I could have been a product manager on D and D Beyond, right? That was important because <laughs> what I was about to do was bother the heck out of the people on D and D Beyond. <laughs> so I then said, okay, well, if 
there's two things that could happen as I bother them. And I, I went on to Discord. I went on to LinkedIn. I went on to a few other places where I knew I could find people and message them and say, and, and poke and prod. And I said, either they will think that I'm annoying and they will completely ignore me, or they might give me a chance, right? If I don't do any of that and I just leave it alone, there's a much greater chance that nothing happens and I regret it. So I said, okay, well, they might think I'm super annoying, but if there's a chance that I'm going to take it. And I did. I messaged a lot of people and I made some connections and I talked and I talked and I talked and um, eventually I got an interview. <laughs> and and actually before that interview, I actually, um, uh, it, it culminated in a, a decision that's, that I said, I need to reduce the risk of them hiring me, right? Because they don't know who I am. So then I said, how do I reduce that risk? I show them what I can do. So I wrote up a, a spec document. For those in product management, you'll know that this is sort of a, a document that outlines what a feature could be, but not just what it could be, but why it should be. Um, and it, it goes into a lot of different industry research and specifications about how we how you could build it and why you build it and, and the strategy behind it. And I ended up writing 14 pages along with some design work and a bunch of other things all around um, what is known today as dice rolling. Um, I called it integrated dice rolling. And um, I sent that over and I said, okay, I, I just, you know, it's a long shot I know, but here it is. I threw it out there and I said, uh, just take it as you can. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and I might not hear from you ever again. And it turned out after I got the interview, that document was passed around the office multiple times. Multiple people read it, including the people that would eventually be my new team. And wow. we ended up building that feature straight. Uh, it, it looked very different once I was in the, in the job. It looks very different than what I had, had planned on it looking at that time. Um, but I had the opportunity to rewrite that document based off of the inf inf information I knew, based off of the information I knew once I got to the job. So take that risk. Uh, put yourself into a, a position that might be a little uncomfortable or that you might think I'm probably just bothering them. Uh, you, you might very well be, <laughs> but um, if you don't, then you might as well pack it in. I learned that from an earlier story in, in my career. So when I first got started, I was a, um, uh, a server at California Pizza Kitchen. And I had gotten my degree and I had just come back to Alabama and I was trying to start afresh. And I was I just needed money. So I was just working at CPK. And I loved it um, because I could work as hard as I wanted to and, and make um, money that's commensurate value to the amount of work that I would put in. And uh, then I, I realized I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to actually utilize my degree and move forward. Um, and uh, this was during 2008, when uh, I think most people will know is, uh, I guess, now considered the Great Recession, where a lot of companies were not hiring because right. a lot of them were afraid. Right. And uh, I was I was faced with that. So I went to a marketing agency uh, from one that I had previously inter interviewed for about six months prior to that. And I, um, I met with a guy uh, that owned the, the company, one of the owners. I didn't even ask. I just said. 
I'm going to come into this office every day at eight o'clock and I'm going to do work for you until I convince you that I can make you money. <laughs> and I just sort of left it there. And he didn't really know what to, to say or do. He just sort of <laughs> sat there for a second and was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but I was just like, as long as you don't lock the doors, I'm coming in. I'm doing this thing. And I set myself a goal and I made sure he knew it. Within three months, I would show him that I could make him more money than he would want to pay me. And uh, eventually, somebody in the office that determines the work that gets done ended up telling him, both of our bosses, um, that if I left, I would cost his company more money than it would to just hire me. Wow. And so he ended up hiring me less than the amount of money that I was making him, uh, understandably. Right, right. But uh, that's how I got my start there. And then I, I kept moving forward. And what that showed me is that if you reduce the risk of someone to hire you, it is more likely for you to get hired, right? Um, because they're making this sort of assumption on, well, I don't know if this person can make me money. They're unproven. I, can't, I don't know if I can trust them. If I hire this person, then I'm going to potentially lose money instead of making money. So then I said, instead of him having to make that choice, I'll make it really easy and remove the risk. So I used the income from my my waiter job at CPK to make sure that I could still live and then use the rest of my time to make sure that I could build trust and influence with my new boss. Um, and then once I did that, I was able to show him that I could make him money there was no longer any risk. He knew and trusted me and knew that I could make him money too. Um, and he could afford to actually provide for me. And then I just switched it out. I could now work for him full time and I, I, I could make more money than I was at my, my waiter job. And then eventually I just sort of rolled that into more and more. Um, and that's exactly what I ended up doing at, at D&D Beyond as well. They probably don't know if I can do this job. Mm-hmm. If I can show them that I can, I, I can help remove that risk. I remember when you first told me that story, I, I think I made the comment, you pretty much made your own internship at that point. Yeah, that's... Uh, you, you pretty much made your own opportunity with that business. That's, that's true, yeah. And, um, you know, so I, one thing that I've kind of grappled with is I, I don't necessarily want to promote free internships with that story, right? Um, a, a company that is looking for someone to do work should not take advantage of people. But that situation for me was slightly different because he wasn't looking at all, right? He, he had, I had interviewed with him for a position and he had um, said, no, we can't do that at, at this moment. And I, I don't know 100% why. I think it had to do with the risk scenario. But ultimately, that was the end of our engagement and we moved on. Um, he was surprised when I contacted him again and then, uh, of course, came into his, his office and then told him what I was going to be doing right. um, in, a, in, a, in a way that was maybe less forceful. But I wanted him to understand that I was serious about that. It was For me, it was more about removing the risk to him so that it was an easy decision for him than it was about taking advantage of me. 
And and I like that you're able to look at it that way because it, it kind of goes back to something that a business or a career path. I know, I know I keep talking about it in that way, but there's a lot of similarity. You know, the the investment costs, the risk versus reward, the the asset that you're building, because no matter how you go about building yourself professionally, you are making an asset. It can be an asset for you or it can be an asset for other people. But it's still inevitably, if it has your name on it, it's your asset. There's there's another guest that I had on. Her name's Camille Attell. Guys, go back, listen to that episode. Great interview. But in there, she talks about the concept of transferable skills, or at least she does in a lot of the content she makes when it comes from going from one job to another that may not be related. Now, I don't know a whole lot about product management, but going from graphic design to product management that at least seems like those are different compartments within the same company. How did you make the transition from where your skill set was as far as your title to being in this different house of, of responsibility and, and job outlook? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and that is yet another story. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> so I got into graphic design because a series of steps in high school, I joined journalism because it was a thing to do. I, I wasn't great at uh, theater. Didn't feel like I was good at um, sports. Uh, and so there was really just journalism. And my journalism teacher was also just starting up in our, in our high school and didn't know how to use Photoshop or a few other Adobe programs. So she gave me a book called um, uh, Photoshop in a uh, in a day or classroom in a book or something like that. And I took it home and that night I read that entire manual front to back of how to use Photoshop. Um, and then I came back and was like, okay, this is how you do things. And she was enamored. <laughs> and so then I became the sort of guy that used the computer <laughs> and programs um, to design things. I designed the newspaper. I designed our, um, we had a website and then I, I designed our broadcast when we ended up doing broadcast stuff. And, mm -hmm. and so I liked designing things. I liked designing things. And then I went into college and I took that same passion for designing things to college. And that led to a, a graphic design degree. But what I realized at a later point in my career, it wasn't that I liked making things look good. It wasn't that I liked building things. I like to do both of those two things a lot. In fact, for the majority of my early life, I defined myself by those things, by those statements of, I love building things. I love making things look nice, right? But when I started really deconstructing it, I realized that I only really liked those things, right? There, there's a degree. It's not like I love or I hate. It's, you know, there, I, I really, really like these things, right? But the common thread between them was I loved to think about things, right? Um, and that distinction for me was was a really important moment. And I remember wrestling with it over um, about a week long. I had I'd gone to a conference on design, and I was just thinking about it over and over again, about what I really liked about all of this and how, what do I really like about it? Because ultimately, design, even in, in that, at that time, a designer was a, here is a thing, make it look good, which is a real, uh, it's a job that, that needs to happen. You, mm -hmm. you need to make things look good. Solve problems is probably the, the next 
evolution of that. And I loved solving those problems. But, and those problems didn't always have to be, what is it going to look like? One, one thought that I had used um, to sort of describe this sort of difference of these two is I, I want to describe and better understand about what a button does, not just what the button looks like. And luckily designers in, in this day and age are given that opportunity to really think about what does a button do? Why is it, why should it do that? And what is the benefit that we get from that button doing that thing? But at that time, product management was really the, the people that were, were thinking in those ways. And I was a downstream effect of it. Um, and so I, I spent a whole week really thinking about what it is, why it is, and should I make that transition and what the implication of it was. And I, I remember thinking, because I, I also do a lot in my free time, a lot of um, building projects. I like to work with wood and things like that. Now, I'm, I'm not the kind of like magazine build it with wood, but more of like the uh, scrap it together so I can accomplish a vision, which is important in the story because um, at the time we were creating a playhouse bed for my daughter and we were going to have an, another child and we needed that child to also be in the same room, but for the four-year-old to be able to have her toys in her area. So we were going to construct this sort of bunk bed like thing that had a playhouse on the bottom and a bed on the top, and it was going to fit in the room. And then we we're going to put the crib on the other side and we were going to shut the door to the playhouse so that that way we don't kill our other child with all the small little toys that our other child was going to play with. And so I remember spending months designing it on the computer, drawing it out, going into her room and just staring at a wall, imagining it, visualizing what it could look like and how it would work and where it would fit. And, and it was that example that I really thought uh, we, we spent a whole month really thinking about it. And as I was building it, I found that I, I liked building it. But it wasn't my favorite process. I just wanted it to be done at the end of that. What I realized at the end of that process is I loved thinking about it instead of building it. I liked building it. I liked building it a lot, but I really loved thinking about it. So ultimately, taking that information and that knowledge that I, ha I had there about my own self, I was then able to say, okay, where, where, how can I mold my career? And that's my, that would be my advice is really understand the nuances of what you like and what you love so that that way you can really align it. When, when you're trying to align your career around a passion, really understand what you love about it because you have the, the possibility of ruining your hobbies by taking a job and having to do them all the time. <laughs> yeah. So make sure you really love that. Yeah. <laughs> podcast producer making a podcast. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did want to ask you another question. Going from being established as far as what your skill set is in really any industry to going to an industry that you'd like to be in. You, you saw the listing for a company in a niche that you liked, that you wanted to be in. When you find yourself in that niche or in that business, for, for you being D&D &D Beyond, when you find yourself as a product manager in D&D &D Beyond, is it fulfilling the itch that you thought it would fulfill? Is, is this a dream come true? Is is this something that you're, you're glad you strove for? Or is this something that you could have also found working for another business? 
Yeah, I th- um, that's that's a really interesting question. And and by the way, if it gets you fired, I will cut this from the final edit if I need to. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really interesting question um, because I think it really gets into the the grass is always greener question, right? And this is true too. When when following your passions, it will serve you well to understand that a job is a job. And it will always have the same pros and cons that every other job will. Some jobs will have more cons. Um, For example, there's, uh, well, maybe not for example, there's a lot of things I could name that I don't want to do. I don't want to do that as my job. But there are still things about every job that makes it still a job. I, I still have a boss. I still have to do the things that um, make me valuable to that boss. And there are still many things during my day that I think, I'd rather not have to do this. Well, unfortunately, that that is my job. That is what I have to do. What gets me through is understanding I get to do what I really, really love, and that is playing Mm D&D while also doing my job. Having healthy expectations about what will happen there is really, really important to make sure you don't burn out. Um, so if you're considering like a job in which you know you love, it's a hobby of yours, and you think, I might not like that job, and I'm going to be okay with that because I just want to work in that industry, maybe you should think twice. Because if you're not loving the job and the work you're doing, as I described earlier, making sure that you understand the difference between the things that you like to do and the things that you love to do, it, it could potentially ruin your hobby. If, if, I was, if I was doing a piece of this job that I just didn't love, I, don't, I just don't like it, boy, that could, could be really detrimental for what, the thing I actually love in, in my own free time. So set your expectations um, and understand that um, it's not always going to be everything that you want it to be and make sure that you do love doing the job that is in the industry that you're in. That's very good advice and, and very relatable. There, there was another question that I had based off of where you were talking about when you were reaching out, making those connections, prepared to bug people as much as you needed to at least have an in. That's something that I've heard from other people in, in different niches, different industries, j- just the whole concept of networking. What did those conversations look like for you? And what did those connections look like for you when you were starting to reach out to people in an industry mm-hmm. that you may have not had an in with immediately, kind of, kind of like a cold call? But at the same time, you know, you, you have a common mm-hmm. passion with them. You have something that you're both excited about. What did those conversations and starting those relationships, what did that all look like? So starting those conversations for me looked like understanding what my goal was and the steps that I believed would help me accomplish that. So understanding that I I did want a job at D&D Beyond as a product manager led me to a who is the person that's making that decision. Mm. Well, don't know exactly, but I can review and understand who is at the company through tools like LinkedIn um, and start looking at people that freely say they work at this place and then going from there. Understanding what the roles might be gives me an understanding of like, okay, that person is a gatekeeper 
or the person that's actually a decision maker, right? Mm. So if, if they're a gatekeeper, great. Get in with them, talk with them, and then they can pass you on to somebody else. If you can get to the decision maker, then then great too. But more than likely, you'll get passed on and on and on. And that's that's what happened with me. I guess I, I, what I would say is there are so many tools out there where we make information known. You can use these tools to try to find who these people are and, and chat with them. The worst that could happen is they say, I don't want to talk with you. Please leave me alone. And then you just don't talk with them and leave them alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but talk to enough people and you'll eventually get to that that person that says, you know what? I was in that position too. And I I see your passion. And I think I can help you. And they will help you get to where you need to go. I would say I I bothered a lot of people in order to get my job. Do I think that it had a impact on it in the end or not? I personally think that 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 it did, but I I don't know that for sure. After I've gotten this job, I have talked to a number of people that have done something very similar, have reached out to me and said, "Hey, I want I want this thing, um, and how can I how can I make this thing work mm-hmm. um, and do this thing?" And then I say, "Oh, okay. Here's how you can do that. You can keep an eye on these things and." You know, if if something comes up, let me know, and you know, I, I can pass you on to the right people, and and whatever. There, there's a path. There is always a path. It's just finding the person that's willing to communicate that path to you. And I, I have done it on a number of occasions. It's it is out there. It is out there. There, there's this thing that was happening. It's a story that I tell on the show from time to time. A lot of people would sit around and just talk about, wouldn't it be great to play D and D for a living, and all my fellow players at that time, it was just talk. Then Critical Role came out. Then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I started meeting people who actually play D&D and make D&D games for a living. And uh, they they weren't all talk. And so I'm wondering if there's something similar in what you're talking about, where people will reach out once or twice and then call it good and give up. Or is there a certain amount of drive that you have to have or that you actually see people present whenever they're really after this. Oh yeah. Yeah. Drive is, is everything. Uh, and, and the reason be- is for that is because drive is really equivalent to passion. And when you're starting to try to, um, you know, when you're saying I, I would like to have a job in a hobby that I like, right? So that's, that's the topic we're talking about. That's the, that's the case. When you're saying I need, I want to have a job doing the thing I love to do, passion is the biggest indicator there because what passion shows is the willingness to adapt, to change, to modify, to improve, to reach a goal. Um, and passion is one of those things that I, I personally look for when I do interviews and things like that is, is this person, is this person passionate? Passion leads uh, is is directly equivalent to to drive the the ability to to push yourself forward to accomplish a thing. That to me is worth so much because someone that is passionate or has drive will will instead of saying, "Boy, somebody should do something about this thing. It's really not great." A person with drive and passion says, "I'm going to do something about this thing. It's not great, and it should change." Right. We need more people that are willing to say, that's not great. 
I can change it. I'm going to do it rather than a whole lot of people that are just like, there's a thing that's not going to be good. There's a thing that's not going to be good. <laughs> right. Um, we need, we need people that act. An idea is great. Having a thought about a thing is great, but it is acting on it and making it happen. That is the true value there. As someone who has made it now, and like you said, someone who does perform interviews and things, how does someone best connect with the decision makers? And how does someone best display that drive when it comes to being in, let's say, D&D Beyond? That's a really great question because there's just no one silver bullet, right? There's just no, no one silver bullet. In, in order to make that happen. But there are things that result and are more uh, result more often in the outcome that you're looking for and more often can lead to that. This is true for corporate America across the board. When, when making a decision about who we want to do a thing, um, we often relate that to somebody that we already knew mm-hmm. or know, right? We say, I need somebody to do this thing. That person is like this person has these qualities needs this thing. And then we go and try to look for those. If you can be that name, I need someone like that. Then, then you've got a, a, you've got a better chance of trying to get that job. I'm not going to say that you, you will, but you've got a better chance. So for example, that looks like you can work with D and D beyond right now by contributing in the community, by becoming a moderator, by becoming a, a contractor, working with inputting content, creating uh, dice, for example, this is a team that I manage. You can do all those things without really even getting hired. You can make an, a, a position for yourself and a name for yourself there. And then you can say, oof, when somebody says, I need someone to do a job, then your name is likely to come up. Uh, there is quite a few people I know today that work on D&D Beyond that got their start on D&D Beyond just like that. Wow. Um, by starting out helping, being a part of the community, and then developing over time. In that regard, you can show your value and passion for that, that position, get to know the people, understand who might be a gatekeeper, who might be a decision maker to those decisions. It's interesting. And I'll just say this for the sake of the audience, because I'm thinking it in my head, whenever I ask that question or something like it on or off air, the answer is usually the same. It's getting involved, being consistent, being there, and it takes time, but it works out. There's one other thing too, that ends up happening quite a bit. And I, I, I do this myself mm-hmm. and it, it is a, a way that I use to measure how much someone cares. I will, in, instead of taking the initiative on myself, when somebody, when somebody comes to me and says, Hey, Andrew, can you do this thing for me? Or can you do, um, I, I really need help with this or that or, or something else for actually, let me use an exact an example. When I am looking for artists to make dice, I put out a call out and I say, I need someone to help me with dice and flooding in comes a bunch of stuff. But in that call out, I put specific 
things that I'm looking for. I would like for you to give me your name, a link to your pro profile or your portfolio. And I would like for you to schedule a meeting with me or give me your email and then schedule an email with me. I put specific qualifications in there. And that's not just because I need those things, because I do, but because those things are meant to say, here is work that you would have to do to try to get in contact. If you are unwilling to do those things, then how would I know that you're actually willing to do the rest of it? Following that example, I, I've, I've talked to a, quite a lot of people uh, about dice contracting. And I had this, this one person that uh, I ended up uh, talking. Well, I didn't talk with them. I, I messaged out. They, they responded. So they took a, a first act. I was so excited about them because they had worked on some cartoons that I loved. I'm not going to talk about the cartoons or anything like that. Um, but cartoons that I used to love and watch as a kid. And I thought, I could be working with someone that has built those cartoons. How awesome would that be? And I was so excited. I sent them an email. Hey, can you schedule a meeting with me? Also, I need to see uh, a portfolio and, and um, uh, an email address. And they never got back to me. Never. Never got back to me. I could have easily just like scheduled a meeting with him or been more persistent to try to work with him. But what that told me is that this person is not will not willing to put the extra time into following up, which is which is fine. That's probably their own prerogative. I'm not thinking negatively about that person at all. But it showed me that that drive, that persistent persistence is not there. So in in doing in trying to accomplish a goal, especially when it comes to like getting a job or things like that, be wary of those things that could potentially disqualify you and make sure you hit them. Well, we're getting to the end of the time for, for the interview, but real quick, before we wrap things up, there's a question that I ask all my guests who have been on the show. What are some goals that you've achieved that you're really proud of in your professional career? And what are some that you have for the next year? I am super proud of the fact that I can work on D&D Beyond and think about role-playing games all day. Um, not just playing role-playing games, but thinking about them and how to make them better. That, to me, is an achievement in my career, and I'm very proud of myself for doing something like that. I am very proud of where I've gotten to be from a product management standpoint. I think a lot about how to manage products and how to improve them. And uh, I'm, I'm proud to say that I'm, I'm a principal product manager. Those are, those are the achievements that I, I've accomplished. The, th the thing that I hope to accomplish into the future is um, improving the industry that I am a part of. Being a leader that can help usher in a new generation in this industry. That's, that's the thing I'm looking towards into the future is how can I use what I have learned and what I have thought a lot about to help improve the overall industry for others. And that's, that's the thing that I'm, I'm looking for in, into the future is changing the way we play role-playing games with technology. Um, that's, that's what I'm really, really excited about. Looking at ways that uh, a new generation can get into this hobby, fall in love with it and um, allow it to sort of, uh, to change their lives. Um, and, and being at the center of how that, 
comes about is that will be a, a legacy that I could be really proud of. Well, I know you're already making steps towards that because you have a podcast that that addresses that exact exact topic. Uh, where where can people find it and, and anywhere else that you're at if they'd like to keep up with you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know, we we did recently just start a podcast, and I say we uh, a really good friend of mine on D and D Beyond, uh, who is also a product manager. He and I started this podcast. Uh, his name is Pat uh, Bachman, and we have the funnest time talking with individuals who are changing the way we play the game by introducing digital tools and technology and uh, talking with them about how they do that, why they do it and should they do that. And it's, it's just, it's been a lot of fun. You can find that it's called the artificers portal. You can find that on Spotify or Apple podcasts or any of the other places that you might find podcasts at. And the premise of the show is, uh, Pat and I are going through this portal into an artificer's lab, Mm -hmm. talking with them about how they are infusing technology, this sort of magic technology into the way we play the game and changing it for the better. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of fun with it. We have a lot of fun with it. Well, Andrew, thank you so, so much for coming on and and giving us some of your time and for, I'm going to call it wisdom, which is not a term I used on the show very, very often to describe what, what we get, but a lot of really good wisdom and thoughts on, on this topic. Thank you so much. Wow. Thank you for, uh, <laughs> it, it, it feels weird. I am glad that I can, I can uh, pass on some of the things that I've learned. If you would like to tune into the Artificers Portal, I went ahead and left a link to Pat and Andrew's podcast down in the show notes below. I'm listening right now, and I highly encourage you to go do the same. Go ahead, go over, subscribe, give them a follow, and leave a review. Give them some love and let them know that we sent you. Guys, if you would like to get in touch with Andrew and ask him any questions that I failed to ask during our interview, I left a link to his Twitter as well down in the show notes below. Go over there and tell him I said hi. And guys, be sure that you are subscribed to the show so you never miss a new episode. Episodes air on Wednesday every week now. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Instagram at businessrpg. Until next time, guys, I hope you enjoy.